Hi, I'm Lauren Young, and I want to welcome you to Discovery Church's podcast. Discovery Church is a community of people who are seeking truth and finding purpose. We welcome you to jump over to our website online and check us out at mydiscoverychurch.ca. With that said, let's jump into this week's message. Um, what a great day to be, like I was just praying, it is a cool month in our city. Uh, it was, it was last, last year, this time, that our dream team started meeting together for setup and to start doing our pre-launch, uh, uh, pre-launch services. And on the 24th of September, we launched Discovery Church. Last year, 10 or 11 months ago, we launched. And this, this, that's good. That, that's, worth, that's worth a hand clap. And um, what's even worth more of a hand clap is that in those last seven months, we've seen 65 people make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Now that, that is huge. That is, that is worth, worth every chair put out. That is worth every cup of coffee poured. That is worth every handshake and, and every song sung. Um, and what's really cool is that we actually get to turn one, and we're celebrating turning one on September the 30th. So mark it in your calendars. You want to be here. It's going to be a party. We're doing a baptism. So if you've never been baptized before, we would love to celebrate with you and make our one year a memorable moment in your life as well. If you have any questions about baptism, you could probably ask myself or my wife, Shauna Lee. She's uh, running around doing everything that's really important. Um, but as well, another really cool thing that's happening in our city is that we're not the only church. That uh, there's actually a church that's launching just down the street doing a campus, Hope City, which was Millwoods. Um, they're launching just at like Twiller Campus, which is like 10 blocks from us. And we're excited to welcome them into our community. And then we have Evolved Church, which is launching in, in Edmonton, South, uh, South Edmonton Commons at the Rec Room. I don't know if you were here for Easter at the Rec. Uh, for what, what, when we rented out East, uh, the rec room and did Easter at the rec, we've seen 21 people give their lives to Christ. We're just praying that, praying that same blessing on Evolved Church as they launch because it's not, it's not about just our church. It's about the global church and people coming into a relationship with Jesus. We know that we, we, we are directed who we want to reach, but we know that we're, we can't do everything. We don't want to try to do everything. If this is your first time at Discovery Church, you're like, man, they're not talking about your church at all. Hey, you know what? We're about the, the global church. We believe that being a part of a local church is huge and so important for each and every person. So if you're here, thank you for being a part of a local church this morning and taking your first weekend of September. How bad does that sound? <laughs> to be with us. The last long weekend of our summer is, is here and gone, and it's not even that nice outside. So... If you went camping this weekend, you're a sucker. Why would you go camping? You need to be, thank you for coming back from camping early to be at church. It's like, man, if it was nice outside, I wouldn't be caught here. Well, we're glad that it's not nice outside and that you are here. Uh, but we're right in the middle of this series called Check Your Vitals. And, it, and we, we've, we've, we've determined the truth that there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. And if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard that a hundred times. If this is your first time, you're like, really? There's nothing like, no, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can't do to make him, or there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. But there are things that we can implement into our lives that cultivates a life for God to use in the most impactful way. See, Jesus, Jesus came to, to earth to die for our sins so we can have life, uh, life uh, of eternity with God in heaven. But he also came that we would have life and life to the full. And the series Check Your Vitals is, is learning a few things that we can implement into our lives that we can have life and life 
to the full. And we launched a series four weeks ago. I can't believe that was four weeks ago that we uh, looked at the very first thing. But the very first thing that we looked at, and we called it the vital Bible, that how the Bible is important to be reading, to be listening, to be into it, because that's the number one way that God wants to speak to you. And you, you may have said, well, I don't hear God's voice. Well, I challenge you to dust off that little black book that's holding your cup of coffee every morning on your, on your coffee table and, and read it, because that's the number one way God wants to speak to you. And then we, we looked at what we called uh, the heartbeat and looked at worship. And now worship is not just raising our hands or singing songs or serving in kids, but worship is a complete lifestyle of complete surrender, complete devotion. And out of worship will come expressions of worship where we can lift up the name of Jesus. But worship is a complete devotion, a complete surrender to Jesus Christ. And then just two weeks ago, we looked at a message called Life Support and talked about how important the local church and being a part of the community of a local church is, is essential to your growth as a, as a Christian, as a believer. See, Satan wants, Satan wants to divide us from a local church and he wants to tell us lies that you can do this on your own. You can love Jesus without those cynical, hypocritical people that meet at Nellie Carlson School and call themselves Discovery Church. You can do it without them, but we believe that you can't, that you have to be a Christian for yourself, but you can't be a Christian by yourself. And when Satan divides you from the local church or from community, that's when, that's when he wants to prance on you and, and kill you. Not only do you, do you not uh, discover your purpose in the local church, but you're also whether going to shrivel up and die. And then last week, we looked at one that was very similar. It's called the lifeline. And we talked about prayer and how prayer is a lifeline. In the storms of life, the thing that keeps us connected to God is a lifeline. And we looked at uh, pray as an acronym for P being praise and R being repent and A being uh, asking and Y being yielding. And we encourage you to take two minutes in each of those this past week and just take some time in the morning and let's, let's pray, let's praise God and let's repent and let's ask and let's yield. And I hope you had a great week because of that. So we're jumping right into the next, the next um, message. And I, I titled this Heart Transplant. And I really tried really, 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 really hard um, until about 11.30 last night. But what can I title this? And I came, this is the best I could come up with. And I hope um, it sticks in your life because we need heart transplants. Um, and it's, it's the vital of serving. The greatest leader who have ever lived didn't lead with authority, led by serving. That was Jesus. It was 2003 that I went on my very first trip outside of Canada. It was my very first mission trip, 2003. Some of the younger people were like, man, he's old. And some of the older people was like, that was yesterday. Um, I was just retiring in 2003. Um, but it was in 2003 that I went on my very first mission trip. And if, you're, if you don't know what a mission trip is, the best way to explain a mission trip is as a humanitarian aid trip where we leave lots of times our country and go to a country that's in it, that we feel, I don't know if it's always necessarily true, that sometimes we observe that's in greater need and we can, we can serve or we can give our gifts or our talents or bring supplies, etc. And we, we did this in 2003, a group of about 20 of us, 20 college-age students. Yes, I was college-age in 2003, which is still unfortunate. But I was college-age. I was 19 years old in 2003. And we went to Cuba. And I know what many of you are saying. It's like, Cuba, yeah, right. You're suffering for Jesus in Cuba. And many of us probably, if we went to Cuba, we may have went on a mission, or we may have went on a trip and spent some time in five-star hotels. But we didn't stay in five-star hotels. We stayed in a one-star hotel. 
And the difference between a one-star and a two-star in Cuba is that the cockroaches are mean in a one-star, and the cockroaches are friendly in a two-star, okay? So there were cockroaches every day in Cuba in our hotel room. So we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have this luxury. We roughed it a little bit, even though it was my very first time outside of our country. And we did all this training and all this planning to go to Cuba. And, and our leader said, you say no to nothing and you say yes to everything. And now that's not great advice in life, but in the terms of going on a mission trip, it was great advice. So I started setting my heart in a place where I was going to Cuba to serve. I was going to Cuba to, to help the local church, to help the pastors, to help the kids, and bring supplies. And it was right in the middle, middle of their communist, uh, communist time where Fidel Castro was still alive. And, and it wasn't, it was a little dicey. So we were bringing like supplies in suitcases. And they don't want you to bring anything into a communist country because if I give you a laptop, which would have been a sweet gift, if I give you a laptop, it makes you have a higher place in society than the person that didn't. So we were like bringing like two suitcases each and we're getting our suitcases like searched and stuff taken away from us and pulled into rooms and questioned. It was, it was crazy. Um, and it was exciting times though because we had our hearts set to serve. And I never realized how much serving could impact my life and change my perspective. Because up to this point, mostly... Mostly in my life, I thought, looked at serving as being a second-class citizen. Or if I was willing to serve somebody, I was kind of making myself lower so they can walk all over me. And unfortunately, in our, in our society, lots of times if you're in the service industry, this is true. Not that you're second class, but lots of people come in. And unfortunately, we're not going to be this church, but unfortunately, the worst time that tips actually happen in restaurants are Sundays after church. So if you go to a restaurant after church, make sure you tip well. We need to change this. Christians, people of church, we need to change what service industry thinks about Christians because I've actually talked to people and they're like, I'm not going to church. You guys don't tip well. Can I tip for everybody? I'll max up my visa card, you know, that kind of thing. I'm serious. Like, but, but it's unfortunate that we have this perception that serving is under us. And many of us, and not just specific here, just many humans, many of us individuals, instead of saying, how can I help out somebody, or how can I serve someone, we're saying, how can I get an upper hand on that individual? When, what can I get out of this relationship for me? How can I get what, what is most best for me out of the people that I have a relationship with? This is me, okay? I pull up to a grocery store. I try to look for the closest parking spot because I want to, and I'm like running. The only exercise I get during the week is like when I go to the grocery store because I want to get in line before the person that's coming in next to me. Right? How many times do we think, we think like that? I was like, okay, my time is way too valuable. I, need, I must get in front of them because if I don't get in front of them, they have a huge cart. It's like pushing like the old lady out of the way just to get in front, right? It wasn't funny? Okay. <laughs> Throughout this series, we've looked at the example of Jesus and many of these check your vitals. See, Jesus did come to die for our sins that we may have eternal life. And I already said, but he came for us to have life and life more abundantly. But he also came to demonstrate what it was and how to live a life that pleased God. And once again, in Matthew 20, we see an example of what Jesus demonstrated for us 
on how we were to serve people, how we were to live our lives. And it's so countercultural. Jesus came during a time where the Jews were looking for a Messiah. And the Jews thought that if a Messiah came, he would come with authority and he would overthrow the Roman Empire and and change everything so the Jews would, would be elevated. And even though Jesus was the Messiah... Jesus wasn't the Messiah that the Jews were looking for. And even though Jesus was God in flesh at that time when he, when he walked here on earth and he had the authority to say the words and have rulers and, and people bow down before him and, and click his fingers and have things done, but he didn't. And we pick it up in Matthew 20 where, where Jesus is sitting with his disciples and his disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. The disciples are arguing and say, God, Jesus, when I get to heaven, can I sit next to you? Because it was all about being great or being known. And I don't know about you, but I know that I've had those thoughts in my head. Hey, how can I be known more? How can I be greater? How can people know me? How can I be famous? And Jesus says something in Matthew 20, verse 25, that goes like this. So Jesus got them together to settle things down. He said, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around. How quickly a little power goes to their heads. It is not going to be that way with you. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held hostage. In our world, we see if you want to lead well, it's kind of like you've got to cut people down to get to the top. This is so countercultural. See, many times we think like, who can I undermine to get ahead? Or who can I cheat to get more money? Who can I use to get what I want? And the list goes on and on and on and on. But Jesus, like I said, who at the time was God in flesh, you could snap his finger and have all authority. He said, I came to give my life. If you want to be great, you must serve. He demonstrated for us what it, was, what it is for us to be great. doesn't make much sense. There's a few things in the Bible, lots of things in the Bible that seem like these oxymorons, like this, it's like, this, like opposites, it's like, Turn the other cheek. Why, why would I do that? I got, a, I got my fist clenched to punch back, right? That's what the world would say. Or it's like, it's better to give than to receive. And I'm like, no, I like to receive a whole lot more than I like to give. But the Bible also says when you give, the floodgates that, that will be open to you. Sometimes what Jesus says is so radical and so out there, it kind of doesn't make sense. I don't know if you've had an opportunity where, where God has spoken to you and asked you to do something, you're like, that makes no sense. I have. 11 months ago when we started Discovery Church, <laughs> made no sense. My wife and I left, uh, left a church, resigned from a church with two salaries, made no sense. Both of us didn't have, a, have an idea of where finances were coming from. We didn't know what was, what was going to happen. We didn't know if people were going to show up. We didn't know if there was a launch team that was going to, going to, going to gather. We didn't. It didn't make sense. But God said, you've got to do it. So what did we do? You've got to obey. 
And you've probably had opportunities in your life where, where God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense. Turn the other cheek. Pray for your enemies. That doesn't make sense to me. But Jesus demonstrated it. And what's really cool is that when we listen, what didn't make sense impacts the world around us. What didn't make sense seems to work, and what, what, and the result is that we can't take any credit for it. Because if it made sense, what would happen is that people would come to us and say, hey, can you write a book? And I'm like, I got no book to write. It doesn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense. Why, why if I give away this amount of money, I'm going to receive this amount, I'm going to receive blessings back. It doesn't make sense. I wonder how many Christians actually get audited every year because it just doesn't make sense how much money we gave away. I hope we have a room full of them. That it just doesn't make, the, the, the Canadian Revenue Agency looks at it and says, this just doesn't make sense. I remember the first time Michelle and I got our taxes done. And just, I'm just preambling because a couple of weeks time, one of the vitals that we're going to talk about is giving. And you're like, we never talk about giving. Well, we, we know that releasing giving in our lives is saying, God's saying, do you trust me? And in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about giving. But I remember the first time Sean Lee and I had our taxes done. We went, to T, uh, we went to H&R Block, and we sat down with a lady. And she started looking through, like, our giving stuff. And she's like, this doesn't make sense. I'm like, no, it doesn't. And at the time, we're like, we gave away how much? Like, it, was, it was insane coming out as, as students. And this is not to pump our tires. We just, this is, is pump God's tires that he still provides. And when it doesn't make sense, I think God is asking us a question, saying, do you trust me? The underlining theme of Check Your Vitals is that God is after your heart. He's not wanting you to read the Bible because he only wants you to have 23 hours in your day. He wants you to read your Bible because it's a way for him to get your heart. He doesn't want you to... to Come to church on a Sunday because now you only have 167 hours in your week. But guess what? When you get around people who are surrendering their hearts to God, it's more likely that you will surrender your heart. And together we encourage and, and each other. You encourage other people and you encourage me and I encourage you. And God gets our heart. And when we set our lives out to serve other people... It might not make sense because it literally might mean walking out of your office at 5.30 in the day and seeing that the janitorial staff is, is under, under man today and you picking up a broom in your three-piece suit and sweeping up. I remember one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned as a pastor was when I was, was 20 years old in Fort McMurray. And I was leading worship that Sunday morning, so I came in really early. I think it was about 8 o'clock in the morning. And I walk, walk in, and I walk, walk in with my guitar, and I see my lead pastor walking out of the ladies' washroom with cleaning gloves on. And I said, what are you doing? 
is like our, our custodian was sick on Friday and Saturday and our washrooms didn't get clean. So here's our lead pastor of a church of a thousand people down on his hands and knees scrubbing the toilet so it would be clean, serving people. The greatest leader who ever lived, lived by serving. And it doesn't come natural. When I went to Cuba, I, I spent like literally eight months preparing my heart that when I went, I was going to serve. Serving is not a natural tendency until we implement into our lives. We look at Bible reading. We say that it takes 60 days to implement a habit. What if we woke up every morning saying, God, show me ways I can serve people today. Show me ways I can serve, serve people because you would serve people. When I went to Cuba, I had my heart set that I'm going to serve people. We went to this pastor's house. And we, we ministered with, with his congregation and his house. It was literally bamboo walls with a tin roof and one straight uh, curtain down the middle of it. And one side is where they would sleep and the other side is where they would heat, eat and entertain. And I was out in the bush and, and the side of his shoes completely had the sides busted out of them. They must have been seven, eight, nine years old. He had a shirt on that was ripped in the armpit. He had pants and I would say that's probably all he had. He may have had one other change of clothes. And, and something really connected my heart with his heart. And I think it was at that point that God started to transplant his heart in place of mine. Because my eyes started getting opened to ways that I could serve people. I'm sad it took me nearly 20 years of my life to learn what it was to be uh, cognitively aware of needs around us. And I remember going back to my hotel, the one-star hotel, the cockroach in the corner that was yapping at me, and sitting down on my bed, and I was journaling. And as I was journaling, I looked over next to the cockroach, and I seen the shoes that I brought. I brought three pairs of shoes. What we had to bring was in our backpacks, okay? The two, the two uh, uh, suitcases that we brought were filled with supplies. We bring a backpack backpack and I brought three pairs of shoes there was a pair of sneakers a pair of like dress shoes dressier shoes and I brought a pair of sandals and I looked at them and they all were Nike here I am a poor student so I thought looking in the corner and all three pairs of my shoes were Nike in that moment God said give it away I'm like, God, I can't. I can't give it away. What am I going to wear? And then he quickly reminded me, he was like, you just bought those Nike sandals before you came. You have another pair at home. And that moment, my heart was transplanted with a heart that says, God, I just want to serve people. It doesn't make sense. And many of your hearts here are transplanted. We have a team of people that wake up early every Sunday morning to come together to serve people. It might not necessarily be washing feet as Jesus did, but people come and put on uh, a hot coffee and, and shake your hands when, and coming in the door and, and help you park and set out chairs. People that are having their hearts transplanted with the need to serve and to be like Jesus. But sometimes it's a cognitive choice that it takes for us to serve people. I think God is saying this morning, he's, he's sort of shifting a little bit and saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me with your time? 
we have people that work six days a week, 10 hours a day, that still get up and give seven to eight hours on a Sunday that they don't get paid for it. They're coming to serve. But guess what? The greatest among you will be the last. So this challenge this morning is how in your life and where in your life can you make the choice to serve people? I think one of the first places that we neglect to serve people is our families. The Bible says that, that people will know us by our love. And when we serve people, guess what? Our love grows for them. When we serve our enemies, they won't stay enemies for very long because it's hard to serve people that we hate. When we, when we serve people, we're making a constant, we're, we're making a choice to say, I'm going to love them. And if we wake up every morning with the idea that I'm going to step out, I'm going to serve my family, I'm going to serve my coworkers, I don't, it doesn't matter if they're a lower pay grade or a higher pay grade, you can serve people, you can open doors, you can, you can sweep off the snow. There's things that we can do that shows our hearts as love for the people around us. So how can you do that to your family? How can you serve your family? Maybe today you need to go home and clean out some of your closets and pack your stuff in a nice bag or a nice suitcase and bring to a local shelter. Say, man, I've got way too much and give some stuff away. Maybe, just maybe you're here and you've been coming into Discovery Church for a while or maybe this is your very first time. And we believe that serving is good and is a way of discovering our purpose that God's created us for. After the service today, maybe you need to join me in what we call Next Steps. It's a way of getting connected to the dream team to serve in kids or at cafe or on our capture team or or our culture team or worship team or parking lot. It's just a way of serving because we know that serving is a way to love people. But as well, serving is a way to discover our purpose. So do you trust God this morning? Do you trust God with your time, with your energy, with your gifts and your talents? And a way to say that you trust God is to be willing to serve in every aspect of your life. Would you pray with me? God, this morning we just thank you so much that you've demonstrated for us what it is to love you and to love others. God, transplant our hearts with your heart. God, give us opportunities to serve people because when we serve people, people will see you. God, let our church change, change the atmosphere in our city. God, we will be willing to open doors. God, we will be willing to help the, the, the elderly lady across the street. God, give us eyes to see what you see. God, I want to be great. We want to be great, but only by the way that you want us to be great. So help us follow the example that you set for us when you walked on this earth. And let us be great leaders by being willing to serve. In your name, amen. 
Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's podcast. Feel free to like or share it on social media. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes to be sure to never miss a recording. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please share your story with us by sending us an email at info at mydiscoverychurch.ca. Have a fantastic week.